Today, what I want to do is we close off our teaching series we've called Spin. We've been talking about how to let God flip your story. In week one, we looked at the prodigal son. You remember all the way back then? Prodigal son who had been far from God, had gone out and you know, left and took all of his inheritance, spent it lavishly on wild living, living it up at the club. And then he decided to come home and runs to his heavenly father and his heavenly father doesn't judge him but welcomes him openly. And he's going to have his life changed forever. That God could flip even the story of the prodigal son. He could flip yours. And then over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how to actually begin to take practical steps towards that. And didn't Darren do an amazing job last weekend? I mean, that sermon was super powerful. Talking about for so many of us, we've encountered God. You may have even been a Christian a while, but you keep spinning out in life. And getting to the point of redeeming your next season of your life, and beginning to focus at the end of that message, he talked about focusing on scripture and prayer and ways of connecting with the Lord, beginning to develop healthy habits. And so to close off uh, this sermon series this week, and as we get into the vision for this year, I wanted to actually apply this to our lives and talk about, well, why don't we ever get to the point of becoming the person God made us to be? See, I think that we can have all the right knowledge, but never really become the person God wants us to be for one particular reason. And I'm going to share it here in just a little bit, but I want you to hold up this card for just a second. It should have been on your seat or maybe handed it on the way in. If you missed it, we have more out in the lobby. It's our spiritual goals for 2020. See, I love to give the vision for the year at the end of January, not the first week. Because I know most of you have already quit your goals for the year. Anybody? Right? And you start off your year like me. Here was my goals for 2020. I wanted to begin to do CrossFit like Davey Blackburn so I could be more like him. Begin to grow hair like Darren Earlywine. Become kind like Kathy Craig. And become a little more wise like Greg Strand. Doesn't sound very difficult, does it? Super hard. Do you ever do that to yourself? You set your goals and your goals are... You want to be like someone else. God's goal for you isn't to be like someone else. His goal for you is to become the person he created you to be. And that transformation occurs when we focus on him and we get to know his desires for our lives. That's that's what I'd love for you over the course of this next 30 minutes together, that you actually write down your spiritual goals for the year. Like, dude, I don't do that kind of thing. I I want you to try it memorialize your goals this year to say, here's what I think the Lord is telling me that I should focus on seeing uh, accomplished or growth in my life. And then I want you to take it and I want you to put it in your prayer closet at home. You're like, what is that? That's weird. If you don't have a prayer closet, maybe you've got like a refrigerator. Anyone have one of those? Stick the thing on there and remind yourself to be praying about this, to focus on it. Check in with your friends or your roommates or your spouse or your kids about the goals. I think we'll be amazed at what God does. And usually I share our goals for our church family. We've got them again this year. What I'm going to do differently, we can put them up on the screen. You're going to see them in the e-newsletter. Our leadership and our staff and all that are going to focus a lot on those goals. But I don't want us to spend our whole time together just going over church goals. I want us to focus on the individual families and people groups represented here. Because our goal for this year, as I'll share, is not a strategic one for us as a greater church. It is a spiritual one of our focus for this year. So you'll hear more about that. If you're a details person, we'll get into that in a lot of our leadership and volunteer stuff. 
What are your spiritual goals for 2020 to stop spinning out, begin to fight back spiritually, and become the person God created you to be? Are you ready to study God's word together? Come on. Turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Beginning in verse 14. One of my favorite passages that reminds us of the need to have God show up in our life and how to remember it when he does. And as we set our spiritual goals for this year, and we memorialize them to begin to think about throughout the year, what has God done in the past? What is he doing today? And what do we think he's doing in the future that we would prioritize focusing on him during this time? Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, it says this, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge... The water from upstream stopped flowing. So let me catch you up on this. Basically, if you're unfamiliar with this passage or story, the Israelites had been enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. Picture that. That's like older than in the United States, right? They had been enslaved as an entire people group for that many years. In fact, they had grown at, in the land of Egypt to hundreds of thousands. We estimate around 600,000 Israelites. By this point. Then they finally get free. You know the story. Charlton Heston parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry ground. And they finally are going to get into the promised land where the land is flowing with milk and honey. The only thing is they get there and there's these big giants, it says, and they're scared. And so they don't go in because 10 leaders of the 12 they sent out come back fearful for their lives. An entire generation spends their lives out in the desert in the wilderness traveling as nomadic people for 40 years because of this lack of spiritual leadership of just 10 people. The stuff we're talking about as far as setting goals, it matters. Your spiritual health matters. One of the two people who actually followed the Lord when they were sent out is Joshua. The other one's Caleb. And they're the only two of those who will get to enter into the promised land in the passage we're about to read. And so finally, after 40 years of traveling around the desert, living off of anything God would provide, they are going to get to go into the land that was promised to them. And the way that God sends them in is to cross the Jordan River. The problem is it's at flood stage right now, and they have 600,000 people and all of the animals and anything that they're taking with them that all has to cross a river. Now, I know you played Oregon Trail as a kid, but you can't make that happen. And so God is going to show up and create a way to part the Jordan River, if you look down later in verse 16, it says the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They didn't build a wall. They didn't have a levee system. They simply just took the Ark, the presence of God, of the Ark of the Covenant. And they stood in the center of the water and the water parted. And everyone traveled across. I want to use that as an analogy this morning for your life. See, I believe God has a purpose and plan for your life. Even if you don't believe in him yet. Even if your life is a total mess, all right? You can't even see that that's ever a possibility. I believe God has a purpose and plan for your life. And the truth is, we can know all the right answers. But if we don't cross the Jordan into the promised land of our life, we'll never be who God created us to be. I believe it's time to cross the Jordan 
and move into your promised land that God has for you. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just pause. I mean, it's been incredible. All these people have come out this weekend, packed into this room. God, that we're not coming to hear from human beings. I pray that you take away my words this morning, replace them with whatever you want, God. I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you in Scripture. Speak to our souls, whatever's going on in our life right now. We give you this year, God. We give you any plans. Use this, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. So you guys know I have three kids. I'm in that stage of life where all I have is stories about my kids. So if you're tired of hearing the stories about my kids, just deal with it. That's all I got. In fact, I got three of them. They are soon to be 11, 7, and 4. And the four-year-old Jet is, oh man, he's got a lot of energy. God made him a particular way. He is like a little tank. Our other kids aren't like this. He just always been a little tank, a little physical kid. He's very physical. He actually picks on his older brother and sister. I don't know why, but that's just the way he's made. He always wants to wrestle with me all the time. Even at times I'm like having conversations in the church lobby. He'll come up and try and grab a leg and take me to the ground. This is the way he is. In fact, I, I was planning to share this story and then just just happened just last night. I was laying on the ground. We were watching a family a TV show together as a family because it's Saturday, the Lord's Day. We're going to hang out and relax a little bit. And so there weren't enough seats on the couch. So I laid down on the floor and I had my hands behind my head. And you can guess what the dad did. I fell asleep. And so I'm sleeping on the floor with my hands behind my head. And the four-year-old, who's very physical and loves to get physical with me, you can guess what he decided it was time to do. It was like his little four-year-old brain saw me laying there. He's like, oh, dad's a trampoline today. And he comes running over, and I'm sleeping. He comes running over. He jumps up in the air, like off a diving board, grabs his ankles like this, and does a knee cannonball right into my gallbladder. And so I, w- I woke up in a fright, and I'm in pain, and I'm upset, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm yelling or whatever, and I'm super frustrated. What's wrong with you, Jen? I'm still in pain today. I feel a little bloated in this section thanks to the four-year-old. Now, here's the thing. He's got all the physical capabilities. He loves to be, you know, real physical, and he always wants to wrestle at home. So we decided we need to get some angst out of this guy and get him into wrestling. So this is true. We, we decided, man, we will pay our own good money to help get this out of him. So he went to wrestling. He's got all the physical ability in the world. He, lo- he loves to do it. He loves to mess with his brother and sister. He, he even knows, like, oh, I just go and tackle somebody. And we took him to wrestling. You know what he did? He stood there. 45 minutes to an hour, everybody's running around, wrestling, most of them are his age. He stood in the same place for 45 minutes. The coaches came over, we're like, do you want to do this? He's like, nope, not going to do it. And I took him, I was like, Jet, why are you so physical at home? You go to wrestling, you just stand there. I'm not making this up. Finally, by the third day, we stopped taking him because they did like a wrestling match. So it's him against another like four or five-year-old and they're supposed to wrestle. Well, the other kid's like this. When they start, Jet's like this. The kid jumps, grabs his ankle. Jet just stands there. He begins to try and take him to the ground. He can't do it, but Jet just keeps standing there. Finally, the kid had got him down and pinned him and Jet came crying over to me and he's like, I don't understand why I lost. It's like he just stood there. 
Some of us spiritually, you have all the right answers. You've even been trained and equipped over the last couple of uh, weeks together how to flip your story, begin to invest in God, and you know what to do. But the truth is, if you don't want to do it, it ain't going to happen. The only one who can stop you from becoming who God created you to be is you. We serve an unstoppable God that has the almighty power and authority to transform anything in your life. Now, let me say, I don't want to make light of anything that you're going through. We live in an evil time, right? Satan is real. The devil is at work in 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 people's lives and tempting them. And it it causes much evil and strife. And there's a lot of animosity and hatred and horrible things in our culture. Things that happen to us that we don't deserve. Things that God doesn't desire. So I'm not saying that you're not going to have things happen to you that are out of your control. You definitely will. What I'm saying is, no matter what your situation or environment Becoming the person who God wants you to be in this season of your life, the only thing keeping you from doing that is not God, it's not other people, it is me, it is you. Do we have the motivation, this love of the Lord in our life to worship Him and become the person He's desiring us for us to be in this season? That's what I want to talk about. I believe that's what we see in Joshua chapter 3 and 4 and even back in the Exodus story, and I want to show that to you. How to motivate yourself to become the person, to become who God made you to be. The first point I want to make, if you're taking notes, and I'm going to move fairly quickly through this, is to remember God's work. It seems super simple, but it might be the most important thing, to remember how God has shown up. Because when you remember how God has shown up in the past, it makes you more likely to trust him in the future. Look what happens here in the passage. So they part the the Jordan, right? They walk across it on dry ground, and then there's this weird thing that happens. Verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, then the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So he says, I want you to get one from each tribe. While the the water's still parted, I want you to go over there and pick up these giant rocks, put them on your shoulders, we'll see here in a second, bring it the bring them off the riverbed because this has been at the bottom of a river, right? No one has ever seen these rocks. And I want you to take them and we're going to build a memorial so that we could remember what the Lord did that day. And that they're going to be obedient and they're going to do it. But the whole act was about remembering God's work and what he had done that day. See, I believe spiritually in your life, as you set your goals this year, the way that you can trust him more and more is when you remember how he's shown up in the past. Scripture's full of this, by the way. If you go all the way back uh, in the Old Testament, the Jewish festivals that we studied almost a year ago, the whole Jewish festival system was remembering how God had provided for them in the past so that they would trust he would provide for them again in the future. I'm reminded of 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. Some of you may be fighting some big spiritual battles in your life. You have addiction that you're struggling with. You're struggling through a broken relationship, bad dating habits, financial hardship. Maybe you're just struggling to raise your children and to survive. Maybe you're struggling with not always hearing from the Lord and the enemy is getting to you in your life. I don't know what your struggle or your battle is, but I love 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. It talks about when David faces Goliath. That's a pretty big battle. Would you agree? And here is what gave him the motivation to be able to face Goliath. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. 
He says, I can face this giant that everyone else in the world is afraid of because you're going to help me fight this battle because I know that you already saved me from a lion in the past and a bear in my past. Whatever that is that you're facing this year that you know God is asking you to grow into and become the person he created you to be, to cross over the Jordan in your life to his promised land for you, I guarantee you you're going to have to remember how he's shown up in the past. Here's some things I just latch on to, guys. Like, when I first started, uh, first became a Christian, I felt like God didn't really hear my prayers. And sometimes, I'll be honest, God didn't answer my prayers the way I wanted. And I would get frustrated and upset. But I started latching on to the moments where I had a clear opportunity where I prayed something specific and God showed up. I always remember this one. I'm not going to do it again. I know you want me to, but I'm not going to do it. When I was Banquo in Macbeth. And I was 19 years old. I had just become a Christian. I was performing in Macbeth at college, and I was, I was the part of Banquo. And I was about to go out, and I was freaking out, just having anxiety because I'd never done something like that. And I prayed a specific prayer, God, just give me peace. Now, I don't think God cared a lot about Shakespeare's writing. Now, maybe I'm wrong. But I believe in that moment, he was showing me that he hears my prayers. And I went out there, and I just had a peace, and I delivered those lines like this. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it again. I, <laughs> Some of you have heard me do that like 10 times, so I won't do it again. How far is it called to four A's? No, I won't do it again. Anyway, I, I went out there with just this peace, and I always remembered that, how God had shown up. I remember that in the life of our church. You may not realize this, but the, the, the day that we closed on purchasing this building right here, we were a three-year-old church, and it seemed insane. Like, how in the world could we ever do this? And the day we signed the, the paperwork, the church did, was February 23rd. And I always remember that date because it would have been my son's fourth birthday. Four years earlier, we had moved here from California, my wife and I. We had one son at the time, and uh, we knew that we were pregnant. And many of you know our story, but our son Jackson was born on February 23rd. He only lived two weeks, and we were in the process of starting a church, and I was so angry at God, going, God, where are you? What's going on? Why is this happening? And four years later... Because we said, well, we're just going to trust that we can't control this stuff. So we're going to trust that you showed up in the past in our life and that you're going to show up now. And as we did that, God began to use our brokenness to reach other people who were broken. We saw so many people come to the Lord and people for the very first time experiencing God in their life that I just think it was God just making clear to us, remember and memorialize what I have done here. And that we closed on this property four years to the day of the most devastating day of my life when our son was born and we didn't hear a sound. So you may be facing some tough spiritual battles in your life, and you need to remember how God has shown up in your past. See, we all want to see the Red Sea part or the Jordan River part, or we want to see, I love Joshua 10. Eventually, Joshua gets to see the sun stand still. He prays, and God makes the sun stand still. How do you do the science on that? I don't know, but he had, he had it happen. And we all want to see stuff like that happen, right? Because we read Furtick's book, and we're like, I want that. But the truth is, Joshua had 10 chapters of relying on God to get to the point where he could trust him with even bigger things. In fact, he had more than that. If you go all the way back to the Exodus story, he'd been traveling with them for 40 years through the wilderness and even seen the Red Sea party was one of the few of them still alive. He had a history of remembering how God had shown up in his life. What do you need to memorialize so that you remember God's work? What do you need to memorialize so you can remember God's work? I'll give you an example of this. 
like uh, when we had this vision of compassion to start four churches in four different directions. And I was like, seriously, God, why? Uh, one of the first things that happened was, well, we have Pastor Luke. And that same day that Pastor Luke told us he wanted to plant a church west of here, uh, a board member, Ethan Fernhaber, called me and said, hey, there's a property over there. The former ITT building off of 465 is on foreclosure. And he believed we should purchase the property. And I, that sounded insane to me. And a couple of months went by and we had an accepted offer, but we didn't have any of the resources financially to do that. This is just a year and a half ago. Some of you guys remember this pretty well. And we got ready to, to do all of that. Well, before we owned it, before we had the money, Ethan, this guy I'm telling you about, came to me with a zip, big Ziploc bag full of asphalt. <laughs> it was like, it had like 12 chunks of asphalt. And I was like, what, what is this? Why are you giving this to me? And he's like, well, he goes, I just believe that we're going to end up, God's going to help us get that property. So I went over there and I took a, an ax with me and I chopped up some of the parking lot. And I put it in this bag so that you would remember God's provision for us. You're like, that's awesome. No, that's vandalism. <laughs> and I was like, Ethan, we don't own this property. You can't do that. He's like, we're going to. It'll be okay because we're the owners. We're fine with it. And it all happened. And, all, and now I have this bag of asphalt that sits in my house that I'm, <laughs> Just like, I don't put it out on display. It's not a very attractive thing, but I, I just remember how God has shown up. And to memorialize those things so that you remember he will show up the next time. That's why you, when you see couples who have been married for 50 years, they've learned when God has helped them in their life over the years, it helps them with the bigger stuff later in life. Because it doesn't get easier, it gets harder, and it becomes great, greater trust that we have to rely on the Lord to show up in our lives and our marriages with our kids and and in our dating life and beyond. What do you need to memorialize this year? What do you need to write down in your spiritual goals so that you could remember the past of what he has done and then what he's doing today and then what he may do in the future? The second point is this. Remember that God has unstoppable power. Unstoppable power. He is not some weak, feeble God that can't handle the mess in your life. If you're flipping your story we've been talking about, and you keep spinning out, and you just think, well, I've tried. I'm never going to get it. God can handle it. He can meet you right where he's at. Look what happens here in this passage. He wants them to remember how he shows up, his unstoppable power. Verse, uh, let's skip down to verse uh, 6 there. He tells them to go out. Remember how I told you to go out in the ark in the middle of the water there? Verse 6, I want you to get these rocks to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What was it that part of the water in the river? Was it the box? Was it, was it the tablets that were inside? Is that what parted it? You, think, you ever think about this? What, what did that represent? What was in the Ark of the Covenant? Throughout the Old Testament... When they walked um, through the wilderness for all those years, there was a black cloud, it says, that was the presence of God that resided in the most holy of holies, that eventually when they would get the land and move into that promised land, they'd build a, a house for him, the temple, and in the most holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was kept was where the presence of God. So when they put the Ark in the middle of the Jordan, it wasn't the priests, it wasn't the box, it wasn't the tablets, it was the presence of God, his power and authority, his might. 
to face whatever they're going to say. Like, hey, just so your kids remember, I want you to get these big rocks. I want you to make uh, this little memorial as an act of worship. And when your kids go, but dad, what are those big rocks for? You tell them, well, and it was one of every tribe, remember, so that every tribe would have a representative and every family could remember that represents the day God parted the Jordan and we moved into the promised land that he had always told us we could have. And we finally got to the point where we trusted him in that. He provided just like he said he would. See, I think as we start thinking like that, we have to apply that both to our church as a whole and to us as individuals. Uh, really quickly with our church, we're, we're not out of the woods yet, right? Like we have seen in a short period of time, God reached all kinds of people. Two locations, they're having their fourth grand opening this weekend. We've had more people, um, especially at Northwest, than we even anticipated. I was at downtown last week. It, oh, man, it's so cool down there. You've got to stop by sometime. In fact, I'll be preaching there next weekend. But it, I want to tell you, God is living and active. And then here's the crazy part, guys. You may not know this. Carmel sent out hundreds of people, and it grew in the process. We, through the three locations, we have had 400 more people in the last four weeks per week. Like, I, 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 and I know I want to clap too, Lynn, but the truth is we didn't do anything to make that happen. We're constantly trying to catch up with God, and that's why I love to clap for it. Because he is moving and he is living and active. And some of you have connected here for the first time. And I want to tell you, there are sleeping giants of the faith in this room who are attending online. And he's not just awakening you to his reality. He's flipping your story to become the person he created you to be. And it's time to cross over the Jordan into the promised land of your life. To live out the best years of your life. Ministering and helping those who are hurting and broken and lost. And telling people about the good news of Jesus and the life change that comes with it. And he's not going to judge you of your past. He's going to lead you into your future. There we go, yeah. And I, I believe that could happen, and we need to write our spiritual goals. So make your spiritual goals. Get that list out. Pray about it this week. Talk about it with your family or roommates or your spouse. God, what is it you want for us this year? Because it's not about strategy or buildings or locations. It's about people. And God desires to flip your story for you to become a world changer but you're going to have to believe that he can do the unstoppable to change your life. See, this last few uh, weeks and even really the last few months, as things have been taken off, I've, I've had to be honest with people in my life like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And hard sometimes. You know what happened? We had this awesome relationship with the Bridge Church and still do that is selling us the property in Fortville that will be our northeast location. And Lynn Moore, who is at this service, is doing a phenomenal job leading the renovation over there. If you haven't been, talk to her. Um, it, it, we're actually ahead of schedule. We could be having services as early as, as March or, or even uh, by Easter. And so be praying, praying for that, those that are going to go attend the northeast location. But uh, we had a snag come up uh, this last week where there was an issue with the appraisal. And we were just like, God, really? And then in the course of a few days in the, the Bridge Church and, and their heart for the Lord and us trying to be honest about where we were at, God like solved all of those issues. And was just like, okay, God, you're providing this. But you know what else happened? Right before Christmas, I mean, right before the Christmas services, the person that uh, we had been talking to to be the pastor for that location uh, for the last several months uh, came to me and said, you know what? 
the timing is just not right for this. I want to do this so badly, but the timing is not right. And, and I agreed. Once he told me what was going on, we all agreed, yeah, the timing's not right on this. And so we're moving into all this, and I'm going, God, we don't have a pastor. <laughs> Anybody else feel like that? And I have to look back and remember, wait a second, like we went through losing a child and you provided for us. We went through a, a little church that was meeting on College Avenue that I remember the second birthday celebration. We baptized 12 people in the horse trough and the, literally the building shook. And I always memorialize that in my mind. Remember the presence of the Lord in our church. And it grew rapidly right after that. And before we knew it, a three-year-old church, we had people sitting on the floors and parking in the grass. And then God raised the funds to do this. And then he did the Northwest thing. And then downtown and Pastor John, man, he's just doing a phenomenal job. I'm like, he can see us through this next season, but we're going to have to remember what he's done in the past and trust him with what's happening now and in the future. And so as we head into this season, I, I just told the board, guys, I can't work a thousand hours. And we had had this person that we had brought out for uh, an interview. And he told us, you know what, I'm not ready to commit to, to moving to Indiana. Uh, it's somebody I've known for about 15 years. He's a legend in our network of churches. He's just finishing his doctor of ministry and he lives in Southern California uh, his, with his beautiful wife, Carolyn, and, and their four kiddos. And uh, Ken Primo, there's his picture right there. And so he said, you know what, Josh, I really want to plant uh, Mercy Road, Orange County. And I was like, there's no way that's happening. And we don't have any money for it. So he's like, I don't even want money. I just want to use the name of Vision Values because the theologically, he, just, he wants to do what we're doing. It's kind of unique. And so we said, well, we can't even really commit to that right now. And he was, we kind of talked and we came up with this idea. Well, what if you came out here for a year to help us in this season and then we're not committed financially beyond that and we could talk at the end of the year. Maybe we want to do that. Maybe we don't. But we can begin the process of that. And so uh, Ken Primo and his wife, Carolyn, and their uh, four kids are moving here. And he's going to start as our operations pastor uh, beginning March 1st. And I didn't see that coming. And I sh can we just stop for a second, too? Look at the picture. And that's in California. Look how, you know, like physically nice they look right there, like healthy and everything. Can we go back to the picture right before? That's what Indiana does to you folks right there. The, uh, no, it's just the lighting, but they're a lot of fun. And I just, I looked at that and I was like, the sunlight. I remember what that was like. Um, but he's going to be here March 1st. And so we're going to remember the unstoppable God is still connecting people in our midst. And for those of you who are coming through a season where like the Israelites to the Egyptians, you have been enslaved to your job or your career or your addictive habit or to the broken sinful actions in your life, or your pride or arrogance, what would it look like to flip your story and to be, begin to rely fully on the unstoppable power of God? The motivation, you can know all the right answers. You could be made for this, because God made you for your calling. But if you just don't participate and you just stand there like my four-year-old son at a wrestling practice, you'll never become maybe the person God created you to be. It's time to cross over the Jordan and move into the promised land of your life. Third and final point. I want to share is this. See, some of you have been wandering around the wilderness for so long, you have forgotten what it's like to prioritize worshiping the Lord in your life. And we as a church family, we're going to focus on remembering to worship God this year. Remembering to worship God this year. In fact, uh, look what happens later in uh, Joshua 4, verse 21. 
It says, he said to the Israelites, in the future, your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. Do you notice he mentions the Red Sea there? When it dried up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. He said, I want you to build this altar with these stones as an act of worship to remember what I have done. Not just now when you crossed over the Jordan, but how he provided them for 40 years in the wilderness. Remember when you lived out there as a nomadic people and, and you, you didn't have anything to make clothes with and yet I provided for you, Deuteronomy tells us. He says, remember how you didn't have food to eat? I created little Pop-Tarts on the ground for you every morning. Called it manna. What is this? And you sustained physically while living in the desert for 40 years. And then he says, remember the great story they'll talk about for generations upon generations. Remember I parted a Red Sea and you had been enslaved for 400 years and you thought you could never be free. And I freed you. I want you to remember that. And when you look at these stones and you remember crossing the Jordan, it will remind you of when you crossed over the Red Sea. Do you know what they did when they crossed over the Red Sea? You know the first thing that they did? Now, I realize most people wouldn't do this, but this would be me. If I had been enslaved and my whole family had been for 400 years and I finally got free from the Egyptians and I got to the other side of the sea, you know what I'm doing? I'm running. <laughs> I am running. Get out of here. These people are going to slay me. I am not dealing with this anymore. And they stopped. And Exodus chapter 15 tells us their response to the action of God was to worship was to worship. Now, I, I have a little bit of an acting background, uh, and I always hated musicals growing up. I, I didn't get it. I thought that was weird. Do you, if you love musicals, I didn't get you for a long time. I know. Don't judge me, but I didn't get it until somebody explained it to me. The idea in a musical is that they break into song because the emotion of, of the moment is so strong, they can't even keep it in with normal words. They have to let it, sing it out and let it all come out. And that's what happens when they cross the Red Sea. They pause, they write music in the moment, and they worship God for it. Because they've got to express their love back to God. Some of you have received salvation, and you've been spinning out, and you want to change your life, but you're never going to get to the completion to cross over the Jordan and the promise He has for your life if you can't get to the vulnerable place of worshiping Him back. Not caring what other people think, but giving him your full self, your soul, your heart to love him and worship him back. And that's what they did. They start singing the song. It says in Exodus 15, the Moses and the Israelites sang the song. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. And the response to what God has done is to worship him back for that. Our theme for 2020 in the life of Mercy Road Church is that we want to make this a year of worship. As we remember what God has done in the past. And we do the only thing that we can do. We can't give him anything other than our worship. To worship Him and love Him back for what He's done in our life. 
And then to worship him, even in the midst of struggles, as we fight our battles and we feel like we're in a place, we're just surrounded by evil and darkness. We know that he is with us and we are going to worship him in every season. And then we're going to worship him for the things he's going to do in the future that we're not even aware of yet. We are going to worship him. It's going to be a year of worship. It's going to take vulnerability for people like you and me. And I'm going to tell you here in a moment, you're going to see this. I am not a vulnerable person by nature. I'm about as vulnerable as paint drying on the wall, man. Like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. My wife always gets mad at me for it. I'm like, I don't need to talk about my feelings. I don't need to do that. But you know what? This year, if we're going to worship God back, we're going to have to get a place of vulnerability. We're willing to express and thank him for what he has done in our life. As a part of this, uh, in the four locations that are open, we're going to have four all uh, Mercy Road Family of Churches worship gatherings. And we've kind of discussed, well, how are we going to describe these churches? We're not going to call them locations in the long haul. Eventually, these are going to be separate churches. So even though we are one church for a couple of years, I want you to talk about it as the family of churches. And pretty soon, we're about to have four in the family of churches. We already have three. And then Anderson will be the fifth one. As we see God move in each of those churches, we're going to come together four times this year for an all-church worship night, one at each location. And we're just going to focus on worshiping him for who he is. We have all these professional musicians that play for free all the time for us. And they do it because they have a heart for the Lord. And I want us as a church to make this a year. Because I thought, man, we did Unleash the Lion two years ago. God, show up. We're letting you go. And then last year was, we want to see you do immeasurably more. And I thought this year was, take the hill. Time to see it through. And you know what he told me to do? He's like, just trust me. I'm the one that's going to get you across the Jordan. You just focus on worshiping me and remembering me and what I've done and what I'm doing and what I will do. And I believe if you can't get to a place of worshiping him back and taking in a stand in our culture, you'll probably never flip your story and become the person he created you to be. It's the thing that gets you across the Jordan into the promise of your life. And so as we close out a time together, you're going to hear some more about this next week, but we worship all kinds of things in our culture. It's not like we don't know how to worship. We worship our sports teams. We worship our careers. We worship our children sometimes in the way that we treat them. We worship everything in our culture except God, the only one who's truly worthy of worship, who created us out of his love and compassion. And when we rejected him, he pursued us and redeemed us through the work of his son crucified on the cross, rose from the grave on the third day so that anybody could draw near to a perfect God and live eternally with him in heaven. And it's for you, no matter how broken you are, the prodigal son or daughter in the room, if you come running home, he's welcoming you with open arms. And you're going to have to develop some healthy spiritual habits and be trained on how to do this well. But if it doesn't start with just a heart and love of God back for what he's done for you, to worship him back, you can know all the right answers Answers, but you won't have the right motivation to be the world changer you were created to be. You're going to have to get vulnerable this year. You're going to have to stop trying to control every aspect of your life and begin to say, where is God showing up? Because he moves faster than you do. And if he's not, it's because you're not following him closely enough. What would that look like? Pray to him, receive from him, write spiritual goals down. If you're like, I don't know how to do that. That's why we do Rooted. That's why we do discipleship huddles. That's why we do our outposts. In fact, if you have been through Rooted and you don't have a community to be a part of yet, Pastor Greg, beginning February 9th at 9 a.m. in room seven is starting a special six-week class just for you. Email him, greg at mercyroad.cc. But I believe that God is going to be transformative in our life as we focus and memorialize our spiritual goals for this year and count on Him showing up. Will you pray with me?
God, I believe that there are some people here in this room right now or attending live online who the reality is they have known about you, but to enter into the promises that you have for their life, they haven't taken the faith yet to cross over, to trust you enough to show up. If that's you in the room and you would like to begin to put your faith in God's power, not your own, his unstoppable force, I invite you to pray this silently as I prayed out loud. God, I confess I need you. Forgive me for trying to do life on my own strength. Beginning this year and this moment right now, I get vulnerable enough to worship you back for what you have done in my life. I believe and receive your forgiveness. I repent of my wrongdoing. I spin towards you and surrender my whole life to your Lordship, Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you that you're with us. Use us, Lord. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.